This podcast may contain strong language and references to violence. Listener discretion is advised. The citizens The citizens Kia ora no mai haere mai and welcome to the Citizen's Handbook podcast, the companion podcast to the Citizen's Handbook web series that you should watch. And if you haven't watched it, go do that right now. My name is Robbie, and this is a podcast for people who want to know about New Zealand but hate to read. So, we've invited a comedian and turned civics education into a game that someone can win. To make sure that nobody cheats, we've got a moderator called Finn. Finn, tell us how the game works. Okay, Robbie, I will. Thanks, Finn. Robbie and our guest are going to take turns explaining a topic to each other, but they're also going to sneak in three cheeky little lies. Whoever spots the most lies from the other person wins. Easy. Easy. Today, our special guest is Jermaine Ross, one-third of the sketch comedy trio Frickin' Dangerous Bro. And we're going to be talking about Tanga Tafenua, the only partner in the Treaty of Waitangi who actually lived up to the Treaty of Waitangi. I'm going to be talking about He Whakaputanga, New Zealand's Declaration of Independence, and Jermaine will be talking about the exploits of Maui. There'll also be some lies to look for, hidden away like Wally at a red and white striped shirt convention. Hi Jermaine. Kia ora. How you doing? How you yeah. feeling? Yeah, I'm I'm all good. Thanks for having me. Oh wait, is this a welcome or are yeah, you Yeah, this just... is a welcome. I'm oh, saying okay. hi. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> a traditional Maori welcome there. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, here I go. Ready? Alright, I'm ready. New Zealand has its very own Declaration of Independence, by which I mean that the United Tribes of New Zealand have their own Declaration of Independence, by which I mean He Whakaputanga o Te Rangatiratanga or New Tirini. Way back in the early 1800s, things were going pretty well in New Zealand, although it wasn't yet called New Zealand, which is part of why things were going so well. Tapahi, a northern Rangatira, went to visit a guy called Governor King, who was the governor of New South Wales and not a king, and Tapahi developed a pretty good diplomatic relationship with him. Then, Hongihika went to England and met with King George IV, who was the king of England and not a governor, and Hongihika formed a pretty good diplomatic relationship with him, and all in all, things were going well. Can I interrupt here? Yeah, go on then. Are you going to make lies about names? Because there's a couple of names there, I'm like, that's not a real <laughs> name. King George IV, what if you? he's actually King George III? Like, that's like... <laughs> that's unfair. Okay, I will say our lies aren't unfair, okay? Okay, okay. Hopefully you're not going to want to hit me when you find out what the lie is. That's a good general rule of thumb. All right. Okay. Then, 13 senior rangatira from the north wrote to Britain's new king, William IV. Oh, it, here it, we go. It is, it is William IV. I'll just, I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> and asked if he'd help them stop the French from taking over their land, and the British said sure, and sent over a Scottish guy called James Busby. Meanwhile, some northern iwi picked out a flag for the United Tribes of New Zealand to make it easier for them to trade with the Australians. Choosing the flag was actually surprisingly similar to the flag referendum we had in 2016, except it didn't cost $26 million, and they actually ended up with a new flag. 25 chiefs from the far north gathered in Waitangi to pick their favourite one. 
Just like the flag referendum in 2016, one of the flags even had a Kiwi on a black background as part of its design. But sadly, it didn't come with lasers. So it lost out to a simpler flag that, for the listeners at home, looked exactly like this. To quote the minister... <laughs> Thank you, I, I like that joke. <laughs> Very pleased with that joke. been my favourite joke yep. so far. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, to quote the Ministry of Culture and Heritage, Busby declared the chosen flag the national flag of New Zealand and had it hoisted on a flagpole to a 21-gun salute from the HMS Alligator. Unfortunately, the salute then set fire to the HMS Alligator and it was replaced by the HMS Crocodile. As well as being the bloke who presented the three flag options, Busby also started drafting a document which he told his superiors would be the most effectual mode of making New Zealand a dependency of the British Empire. But he accidentally ended up giving the United Tribes a document that totally confirmed their power. So, in 1835, 34 Northern Rangatira went to Busby's house and signed He or Te Hefakaputanga has five articles asserting that the mana and sovereign power in New Zealand resides fully with Māori, and that foreigners aren't allowed to make laws here, even if their name is Don Brash. In plain English, the five articles say the following. Number one. This is a prosperous economy in a chiefly country, and we're the sovereign leaders. Number two. We're the only sovereign leaders. No one else can make laws here or declare themselves governor unless we say so. Number three. The British are allowed to make laws for their citizens so that they stop messing with our shit. Number four. We're going to hold a meeting in Waitangi every autumn to enact our laws, and all the southern iwi are welcome to join us at any time. Number five. We'd like to send this declaration to the King of England to say thanks for acknowledging our flag. Also, we'll totally look after the people you send over here, but we'd love it if you could protect our sovereignty if need be. By July 1839, 52 chiefs had signed Te Whakaputanga, including Te Whirofiro, who would go on to be the first Māori king. Te Whakaputanga was also officially acknowledged by the British government. Put simply, the declaration said, We'll look after the people you keep sending here, so long as you make sure nobody threatens our sovereignty. To which Britain said, Absolutely, we'll definitely make sure nobody else threatens your sovereignty. And the Confederation of United Tribes said, What do you mean by nobody else? And Britain said, Don't worry about it. Hifakaputanga is super important. It's a written document recognised internationally that says the United Tribes of New Zealand have authority over this land. It also made way for Titiriti or Waitangi, which is another super important document that Pakia have mostly ignored. And that is Hifakaputanga or Tirangatiratanga or New Tirani. Oh, kia ora. Thanks for Pākehā explaining to me. Appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm really glad that we could bring you in here, Jermaine, and I would just explain your own history to you for a good five minutes. <laughs> to be fair, I knew very little about this. Well, that's great news for me points-wise. Yeah. Uh, bad news for society. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, can you repeat the uh, suspicious bit about the laser kiwi? <laughs> Absolutely, I can. Just like the flag referendum in 2016, one of the flags even had a kiwi on a black background as part of its design. But sadly, it didn't come with lasers, so it lost out to a simpler flag. Yep, so yeah, yeah, the non-laser-eyed kiwi, I think, is a lie. That accusation is correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Absolutely. Just completely made that flag up. All of the flags were designed by English people. Like, oh. the one they ended up going with had two St. George's crosses on it. 
Yeah, I've, so. I've seen, and the, the with the white background is yeah, that one, yeah, right? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, my second thing that I think mm-hmm. you lied about mm-hmm. would be about the uh, HMS crocodile mm-hmm. and alligator. Okay, sure. I think not only was that not the names of those ships, mm-hmm. that situation never happened. <laughs> that the hoisting of a flag and, and a twenty-one gun salute. That that never that whole situation is completely made up. That is partially correct. Ooh. You get partial credit for that. Right. One. So the day never happened, but the names of the ships were right. Yeah. So Busby declared the chosen flag the national flag of New Zealand. That's true. Mm. It was hoisted on a flagpole to a twenty-one ah. gun salute from the HMS Alligator. There was, and it is called the HMS Alligator. All the ships from the time. What? Fuck you. <laughs> What? Yeah, yeah. There is it is the HMS Alligator. Oh. All of them were named as though it was like yeah, f- like seven year old boys naming their favorite thing. So there's like the HMS Alligator. One of our governor generals had the the HMS Beagle because he the HMS that dog. Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtle, <laughs> HMS T Rex. Oh yeah. my lord! But it didn't catch fire, and it wasn't replaced by the HMS Crocodile. But uh, the rest of that is true. So oh. half that history was made up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the third thing that yes. I'd like you to repeat is around the agreement of everybody to have a meeting at Waitangi every year. We're going to hold a meeting in Waitangi every autumn to enact our laws, and all the southern iwi are welcome to join us at any time. Yeah, see, I don't know what it is about it, but it doesn't sound right. All right, we've got an accusation that the plan to meet yearly at Waitangi mm. is a lie. Yeah. And that accusation is... Incorrect. Ah, damn it. So they did agree to meet every autumn. It didn't actually end up happening. Look, let's say I was taught the history of Aotearoa and this was in there. I'm unsure as to whether (laughs) the plan to meet would even be in that history. You've just gone with this. one of the articles. You've gone with this wildly specific (laughs) detail. It's an important article. At some point in the meeting, someone went, hey, we should all get together next year. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, you bring the beers. I'll hire a marquee. Okay, well, those were my three accusations. The other lie was one of the articles. The one that I made up was about the British being allowed to make laws for their citizens. Ah. Yeah, so that that kind of, that comes up in Titiriti. Yeah, that's why I thought it was. Yeah, that was. Because I'm aware that that was a thing in Titiriti. Ah, there we go. So you, you transplant, you took that one article from Titiriti and you put it in the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, You're as sneaky as James Busby. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> come on. That's a... How lovely is that name, though? Busby, you know, like a buzzy bee. <laughs> yeah, it's we'll like see. someone's name being Michael Wolf Dog <laughs> or something. Michael Meow Cat. Michael Busby, James Meow Cat. <laughs> okay. The round ends with Jermaine on 1.5 points. Mm. Do you reckon I could knock it up to 1.6? <laughs> Just in case I get up yeah. before. I <laughs> um, <laughs> no, don't endorse that. If after the end of second round, the, the scores remain tied, we do have some tiebreakers. Mm, okay. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. All right. Okay. But for now, it's time for <laughs> Jermaine's explanation. Take it away. So I'm going to talk about the exploits of Maui, uh, the, the hero in uh, Te Ao Māori and 
The reason I'm going to talk about Maui is because he's pretty, he's important, I feel, because the traits that a culture gives its heroes tells a lot about the values of the culture. So like Jesus and his compassion and patience, Hercules and his strength and how hot he was. And the main features of Maui are like his inventiveness and his bravery and his curiosity uh, and uh, his cheekiness. And so I feel like those things are very Maori traits. It's like his exploits, they evoke like laughter or anger, but for the most part, he's all about benefiting mankind in some way. And I guess that makes him important in our uh, mythology. And so here we go. It's briefly, this is the story of Maui. First of all, when he was a baby, he was born prematurely and his mum, Taranga, she thought he was dead. So she wrapped him up in her hair, her tiki-tiki, and that's why he's known as Maui Tiki-tiki-a-Taranga. And she sent him out into the ocean. She gave him to Tangaroa. And then Tangaroa was like, oh, snap, there's a baby <laughs> floating around here. I better look after this baby. And so he looked after him using seaweed and jellyfish. And then put him on a beach. He was like, this is enough of me looking after this baby. <laughs> just put him on the beach uh, where he was just lying there. Just baby on a beach. Then this old komatua found him, uh, Tamanui Kiterangi, and he saved him and he raised him. And by the way, some of the lies aren't like, oh, snap, what's this baby doing here? That's just me <laughs> doing a bad impression. All right? So don't, yeah. don't, I'm just giving you a clear, that's not a lie. Got it. All right, got it. Then Maui invented shoes. When he got older, um, Tamanui Kiterangi was like, get out of here, mate. <laughs> he was like, go back and find your people. So he went back home to find his whanau, which was a long journey. And on the way, there were two kereru who were like hassling him and just giving him shit, throwing berries at him and stuff. Uh, and he was like, oh, ho-ha about that. So he caught them and then tied them to the bottom of his feet as punishment. And that's why we have Air Jordans. <laughs> Shout out to Maui uh, for that. So he eventually found his whānau and lived with them. And then he fished up the North Island. His four brothers, who were also named Maui, so it was very confusing. They were dope fishermen, but they'd never let Maui like go fishing with them. So he was like, screw you guys. And he made some magical flax. And he took his nan's jawbone to use as a fish hook. And he hid in his brother's boat. So when they went out fishing, he jumped out and he was like, surprise. And they were like, oh, here we go. Bloody Maui. <laughs> Sneaking on the boat. But they wouldn't give him any bait. So he punched himself in the face uh, to draw blood. And he took the blood, put it on a special fish hook. And he chucked it in, reeled up the biggest fish of all time. And it got called Te Ika a Maui, the fish of Maui. But we all know it by its much more creative name, <laughs> the North Island. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're able to record a podcast here today, because uh, we're on the North Island. Shout out to Maui for that. Then he brought fire into the world. Like fire already existed and people were using it. But Maui was like, where does this, where's fire come from? Like he's looking at the fire. He's like, where does this, how's this get made? So he went and he put out all the fires just to see what would happen. And his mum was like, well, man, someone's going to have to go see our ancestress, Mahuika, um, to get some fire. And he was like, oh, that's how we get fire. So um, he was like, yeah, I'll go. And so he went to go see Mahuika in her cave. And she had uh, fingernails and toenails made of fire. And uh, she was like mostly fire. She was mostly a fire being. 
Uh, and he was like, yo, hook us up with some fire. <laughs> and she was like, all right. She gave him one of her fingernails. Um, but when he left the cave, he was a bit clumsy and he dropped it. And he was come back and he's like, oh, yo, can I have another? Sorry, I dropped that one. Can I have another one? She was like, all right, here's another one. And he left and he dropped it again. He just kept dropping them until she only had one fingernail left. And then she got real mad at him. She was like, you keep dropping all the bloody fingernail fires, mate. And then so she tried to set him on fire, but he flew away because oh, he's also a bird sometimes. <laughs> so she so she threw her last fire toenail, uh, hit some trees, and the trees like held on to the fire. So Maui was like, yo, we can just make fire by rubbing sticks from these trees together. And so that's why fire is in the world instead of us having to go, go see Mahawika every time we run out of fire. So shout out to Maui for that. <laughs> then he, he wanted days to be longer so that him and his brothers could have more time to make hangi. So him and his brothers, they went, traveled to the edge of the land. They were flat earthers, by the way. Um, <laughs> so they went to the edge of the land and, it, and they caught the sun, uh, Tamanui Tera, in a trap. And Maui was like, yo, listen, if you slow down, I'll share my hangi with you. And Tamanui Tera was like, all right, that sounds like a plan. Which is why there's the Maori um, custom of making sure there's more than enough food for everybody. And it's also polite to make sure you leave leftovers as a tribute to Tamanui Tera. And now the days are 24 hours long instead of two hours long. So shout out to Maui for that. Uh, then Maui invented the first dog. Uh, he, was, he was hanging out with his brother-in-law, Itawaru. They were on a fishing trip and Itawaru was being like mad lazy. Uh, so Maui was like, yo, your lazy ass knocked him out. And stretched out his arms and legs and his face and turned him into a dog, which is why I have a cute French bulldog named Mo. So shout out to Maui for that. Then Maui was like, you know what? We should all be immortal. We, sh we shouldn't have to die. So his dad was like, okay, we'll go see Hinenui Te Pō, the goddess of the night, because that's where humans go when they die. Uh, so Maui went to go see her, but she was asleep when he turned up. So he was like, well, I know where babies come from. So if I take the reverse journey through Hinenui Te Pō, maybe I can make us immortal. So he crawled in Hinenui Te Pō's vagina, mm -hmm. but when his body was halfway in, his mate who was watching, who was a piwakawaka, a bird, um, he was looking on and he was like, yo, this is hilarious. And he started laughing and uh, Hinenui Te Pō woke up. She was like, what the hell's going on? And looked down, saw Maui halfway in, clamped her leg shut, cut him in half, and the Piwaka could probably stop laughing at that point. He was like, oh, that's my buddy. He's dead now. Uh, which is why we are not immortal and we can die. So shout out to Maui for that. <laughs> uh, and that is the life, of life and times of Maui. That was fantastic. Amazing. Yeah, so you know what I mean by like his exploits. Uh, yeah. They, he's not like the best person. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Right, infallible. he's not the best. Yeah, he's not infallible, but he's doing these exploits, and sometimes they're funny, and sometimes they, you know, you're like, this is messed up. But he, in the end, he's kind of doing it for the benefit of mankind, and that's how we kind of 
are able to explain why these things happen. Yeah, it seems yeah. really human. It's like, it, yeah. I want to yeah. make things better, but I've got some weird ideas and sometimes I mess up and sometimes I'm jealous. And... Yeah, even though Maui wasn't human, he was a demigod, yeah, yeah, like he yeah. had magical powers. But yeah, then we look and we go, oh, if that demigod, if he's... If, if he can, ba- yeah, if he can fail, if he's bad sometimes, then I guess that means that we can all be bad sometimes. But as long as we're doing it to benefit everyone, maybe putting it out there. Yeah. Okay. My official guess mm-hmm. is that Tangaroa didn't use seaweed and jellyfish. That accusation is incorrect. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he used, yeah, Tangaroa used seaweed and jellyfish. Wrapped him in seaweeds to keep him protected. I forget the use of the jellyfish. We used the jellyfish as well. And then when he rushed up on the shore, he was covered in jellyfish. All these kind of birds came to eat him, and that's how come he got saved. Definitely going to get none right, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't think all four of Maui's brothers were called Maui. That's my guess. Lock it in. Okay, that accusation is... Also incorrect. Oh, I've already lost. <laughs> yeah, all his brothers oh. are called Maui. There were called like Maui. five brothers called Maui. Yeah, well. That's so confusing. They Yeah, well, they had extra bits to their names. That oh, was the bits that okay. defined them. So it was Maui Tikitiki Ataranga, although he had multiple names. Mm, right. Our okay. Maui. And then his brothers were named Maui Taha, Maui Roto, Maui Pai, and Maui Waho. Okay, well... Do you think right. that's unfair? No, it's not. I'm just saying that because I'm losing it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the young... He was, he was also Maui Bortiki, right? Yeah, which the is... Youngest. Yeah, the youngest. Yeah. Okay, well, good to know. Okay, well, now it's all for fun. Because hey, this I've is like, absolutely fucked it. This uh, is like fish in a barrel at this point now because you got three... Big juicy yeah, lies shut there. up, Finn. Don't make it worse. <laughs> All right. I'm just saying, if you got none, it would be a little really bit embarrassing. embarrassing. <laughs> the first episode really bodes well for how I'm going to do with the other nine episodes. Okay. All right. I'm going to say he used something else's bait and didn't use his own blood. And there you go. That's my guess. That accusation is... Incorrect. Great, great stuff. Great, great. A cracking start to the podcast. He did. He did use his blood yep. to put on the hook as bait. Yeah. So what was it? Was what it the dog thing? Do. Was there something in the dog story? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Tell me all three. I'll tell you all three. <laughs> the first, never invented shoes. Oh, that was made up. That was randomly that made That was up. made up. Randomly. Oh, I thought that sounded like a lie. Second... He didn't chat to the sun to convince him to slow down. Oh. And the custom I made up of Māori making too much food, yep. not true yep. and not related to the sun. Good lie. That's nothing. He, they caught him. They beat him up. <laughs> oh, my Lord. And he struggles to move across fast. So he's just like still injured. Yeah, yeah, he's still injured. And that's like hearkening back to like he did things that you might think, oh, morally. Sure, this is, yeah. But it does benefit us. That, that's how we can work 12 hours a day at our jobs. You know? Right. So shout out to Maui. Shout out to Maui. <laughs> <laughs> and the third one is yep. when he went to Mahawika to get the fire, yeah. he didn't drop it by accident. It was all on purpose. Right. So every he dropped it or he'd be put it out and then he'd be like, I'm going to go back and get more because he wanted to know where she got her fire from. So he wanted to know if she runs out of all her fingernails, now what does she do? Yeah, now what happens? That's quite scientific, and I kind of support that. <laughs> I also want to know where that comes from. Yeah. If she loses all her fingernails, is that it? No, yeah, she, well, we don't know because she ended up... Because she interrupted Maui's scientific. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exploration. <laughs> she put fire into the trees, so the trees were able right. to crack. She was fire. like, "That's the end of that." She was like, "I've got no fire left, but yes. there's fire in the trees." I should have got that one because uh, my stage debut at the age of five mm. was as fire in a presentation of that specific myth. Oh, um, well, I'm really embarrassed and feel bad. Yeah, so just to look into a final I don't think you need telly. to do a telly. <laughs> I think we know. <laughs> I don't think you need to. I think the listeners at home um, so, are pretty uh, clear. From the first round, uh, Jermaine got mm-hmm. one and a half of your lives, so came through with 1.5 yeah. points. Seemed not that good at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said Maui invented shoes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Jermaine did say Maui paved the way for Air Jordans. And I was like, yep, checks out. <laughs> And so, yeah, after round two, Robbie came through tragically on his own <laughs> podcast, which he made the rules up for with zero points, which means that uh, this episode one has gone to Jermaine Ross. Yes. Congratulations. Bravo. Bravo. All right. So I'm the carryover champion. Yep. You yep. host the next so episode. I host the next one. Cool. That's right. Yeah. All right. I don't have time. Oh. <laughs> so right. I'm very busy. I'll, I'll sub okay. in. What yeah. are you doing, Robbie? Yeah. yeah, I'll do it. You can step in. Thank you so much, Jermaine, for coming in and um, deeply embarrassing me <laughs> on my own podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. Congratulations. You are the victor of episode one of the Citizen's Handbook podcast on Tiger to Whenua. Thank you so much, Jermaine. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. The Citizen's If you liked this podcast, you'll love the web series, The Citizen's Handbook, and you can find it at rnz.co.nz. The Citizen's Handbook podcast was researched and written by Phineas Teppert and me, Robbie Nickel. It is produced by Izzy Walton and Kevin and Co. The technical producer is Tim Batt. RNZ supervising producer is Justin Gregory, and RNZ senior commissioner is Kay Elmers. Tim Watkin is RNZ's executive producer for podcasts and series. This podcast was made possible by the RNZ and NZ On Air Innovation Fund. You can subscribe to this and every other RNZ podcast at Apple, Spotify, and other podcast providers. Please give us a rating. That way other people get to hear about the show.